Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. And I think it's so important that comes back to your five priorities and that's knowing your customer because your customer might not be B2B. And so your customer might not be on LinkedIn. And so the importance of the content that you're posting, whether you're on TikTok or you're growing on Facebook or wherever you are, it's so important to know your customer above all other things, because that is, you know, like I have a friend and um, she's, she also does B2B services as well. She's a coach. And she started just re consistently recording on TikTok. And when she started creating TikToks, there was nobody in our industry really doing anything on TikTok. But she has grown her business so much just from leads from TikTok because she was the first one to kind of post things on there. And it's the same thing is happening with Clubhouse. I met a guy on Clubhouse who started pitching. He was creating masks, face masks with people's logos on them. And he was doing this from his home. So not even print on demand, right? He was doing it from his home and he started getting, because he got laid off from his job, right? So he started getting on Clubhouse and getting in these pitch rooms and pitching. And before he knew it, he had some major clients, like some big names that were in these rooms. And he just got brave and started pitching. And now he's making face masks with logos for businesses. Um, and he's grown his following. And now he's like hosting Clubhouse rooms and stuff like that. So I think it's it's so awesome. You've given me some great tips for LinkedIn and I'm going to use those, but I also think it's so, so, so important to know your customer and where they're located and know it's, you also said something about like, it's all about the content that you post. You're showcasing your knowledge. You're showcasing who you are, right? So if you know where your customer is, and for those of you who have private label brands, uh, yeah, that's where, wherever your customer hangs out, that's where you should be. Like I'm in the cat business, you know, <laughs> I have a pet brand. So I need to be posting where the cat people are hanging out. Right. Yes. Um, and I need to be showcasing my authority and drawing those people to my brand in that way. Right. Yeah. And, and the principles apply, you know, no in that case, you know, you know, with LinkedIn, it's, you know, your profile. So it might be a website. As, as an example, then you're putting out really good content. The great thing with LinkedIn is that it's free and it's organic. It's still the last best thing of that. So, you know, I can literally take 15 minutes to do a post and get 100,000 views, right, and engagement and clients off it, and it didn't cost me a cent. So I think that's great. And then the last one is the possibility. So when you do tap someone on the shoulder, so, you know, you could do that on any platform. It could be Instagram. It could be Clubhouse, whatever. When you're reaching out to someone, isn't it great if you can actually say, well, you know, thanks for commenting on, on this particular topic. That's a, a lovely way because I've already liked, liked, well, they've certainly seen your content. They've looked at your profile if they've looked at your post. And then when you reach out to them, it's not cold, right? It's, it's more warm. And the third thing with LinkedIn is that possibilities of reaching out. And I think there's a lot of people that, you know, just send spam. And I think we all, you know, receive that. But I think if you can link it to the other two, well, then it becomes really powerful. 
And let's shift over to that last element that you talked about creating a team so that we're not just creating a job for ourselves. So how do we pick the right experts so that we can remove some of these hats that we wear? Yeah, look, it's, uh, you know, for, for me personally, it was one of the hardest things I found when I left Coca-Cola because, you know, Coke, um, you know, we just attracted really great experts. So we had the best people in the world and I was just used to hiring someone and they would get the job done. I went into my own business and I thought it'd be the same and I got burnt on several occasions. Uh, mm. And I'm talking huge amounts of money. Um, you know, one in particular was a, a grant based business where I, I, I went and got a grant for exporting. Everything was fine. The tax department called me and said, oh, um, the company that you used has gone into receivership. Um, we need now to audit all of your findings and, and your work. I'm like, but I don't have it. They've got it. And I said, well, sorry, if you can't do that by the end of the week, um, we're going to ask you to uh, pay us back all the money plus interest. So, you know, that's, that was effectively like a, you know, a wage for my family for the year. And um, so one thing I think is, you know, peer referrals really important. Uh, Just don't go by face value. So, you know, we've got 400 vetted experts around the world. When someone says, Hey, I need an e-com expert. I go, well, here, these are the people that you go to. So I've collected that now because of my own experience, but I think tap in to your networks to, to get that. You know, I think often experts, uh, in particular in the marketing area, are brilliant at marketing themselves, but that doesn't always mean they're great in delivering uh, a product. So I think peer referral is, I think, one of the best ways to find experts. One of the things that I learned from, um, from Andy works with a really cool mentor named Dan Martell, and he introduced me to, to his work as well. And Um, One thing that I learned on that was to really, you know, that your website is your 24-7 sales page. And it's one of the most important things that you can build to represent yourself. And you wouldn't believe how many marketing experts or supposed experts will reach out to you, not only on Facebook, but on LinkedIn. So my little hack to to kind of vet them is I say, well, um, go ahead and it's great that you reached out to me. Go ahead and send me your website. I'll contact you if I'm interested. Thanks. And most of them, many of them do not have a website or if they do have one, it's very poorly done. And so I just, I use that as like my initial vetting point. And then I agree with you hundred percent. Getting those referrals is so, so, so important um, because yeah, I think all of us have been burned and what you said about, you know, you left your job and you just expected to be able to hire people, you know, you managed people in your job and everything was fine. And I kind of had the same expectation. I left my, you know, job in working for government and I had managed many teams for many years and I thought this will be fine, you know, but there was a lot of that. So one of the hardest hurdles for me to overcome was a remote team, was running a remote team. So can you give us some tips on how to run, how to effectively run a remote team? Yeah, and I I suppose with the Coke company, I was sort of part of a remote team for all of my career because, you know, whether it was by state, whether it was by country, I did a lot of work with other countries around the world because that was the benefit of the Coke company is that, 
you know, they shared their knowledge brilliantly because, you know, most problems that came up, someone else had already come across them, right? So we were sort of in a culture of, they used to say, think global, act local. And I think the same applies with your uh, remote team that, um, you know, the, the first thing I think is the, the culture, right? So no matter whether someone's working for you uh, directly or they're a specialist uh, within your team, I think it's, it's really important to set up that culture. Like, you know, how, how do you work? What, what are your principles? You know, I call them guiding principles. What are the things that are important? What are your values? What are your behaviors? You know, um, what, what are your, your routines and rituals? I think they're the things that you need to set up up front. So everyone sort of knows collectively, you know, how we're going to work. Okay. So that's not saying that individuals can't be individuals, but as a team, you know, what about, what's our playbook here? Well, what's our rules? So I think setting up that culture and you as a leader, living that culture, I think is really important from the uh, outset. I think the next one is around asynchronous uh, communication. I think, you know, it's great to have live calls and it's great to, um, you know, get on Zoom, et cetera. But I think also the power of, of leaving messages, giving someone the time to think about it and reply. So, you know, yes, there was email. Now it's a lot more effective. So we use uh, Voxer, but there's WhatsApp. There's, you know, uh, other other um, forms of communication that's asynchronous. So I think that's really important. The other one is getting to know the person really well. Okay. So, you know, it's often easy to be a little bit more removed because it's remote, but I have a little file and, and every, you know, I ask my team, uh, firstly, when someone comes onto my team, I ask all about them. So, you know, what are your passions in life? You know, you know, your family, tell me a little bit about your family you know, those things. So I'm getting to know the person. And then I've got a little file that each time someone says something about their family or whatever, I sort of collect, collect that information. So I'm actually asking them about those things because I think it's easy being remote to sort of say, well, you know, it, it, it's more just about work. Whereas no, people are people. And I think you've still got to build that relationship with the team. Yeah, I absolutely love that, Paul. And the thing, uh, you know, one, one of the, I don't know what tools you use, but like, I'm always trying new tools, right? I'm a software guy, but I feel <laughs> like once, you know, we, I used to use uh, Skype and then I tried like Trello and, you know, finally I've landed at, you know, my absolute favorite for, you know, coordination is Slack. And, and, you know, I'd heard the hype for years and I tried it the first time. And this happens for a lot of tools, right? You'll try it for the first time and you'd be like, I just, I don't get this. But then when you actually take some time to like really dig into it, I mean, Slack is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, my productivity and my communication with my team has gone up so much since we've, you know, taken that on. And we, when you combine that with things like Zapier, uh, you know, that automation goes to the next level. I'm like I said, I'm a software automation guy. So anything that I can do that lets me automate tasks, I absolutely love. And if you combine that with a VA and with, you know, virtual employees, then you're talking going to the next level, right? Now you're, it's almost like cloning yourself. So I absolutely love that. Um, and everybody knows that we've talked about Airtable a bunch, you know, like I said, that's another one of my favorites. Um, any other tools that you use uh, to, to keep your, your team synced up? Maybe Google Drive is, an, you know, another one we use a lot. Yeah, look, I think you've mentioned some great ones here. And um, actually, we had a tech consulting business. So, you know, 
when I was advising to small business owners, I saw two big gaps and they were really the Coke company strengths, right? It was how do you leverage technology? How do you leverage people? Pretty simple. So I set up an outsourcing business and we set up a tech consulting business. So we advise agencies all around the world on what tech they should use. And, you know, if I look at the core suite, I think uh, you nailed it with a project management software. It doesn't matter which one, right? We prefer Asana. doesn't matter if it's ClickUp's another great one at the moment, Trello. It doesn't really matter. But I really think that there should be a, a, a divide between when you're communicating with someone versus when you're setting a task, right? And I think that is really important because a lot of things get missed because, you know, in Slack, it's a great tool, but it can get overwhelming right it's no different to email where what i like is if you're going to task me to do something i, I won't ever read a no notification refuse to right it, it's because it's too much noise but what i will do is if you task me and mark it high medium or low i will do that right so i think no matter what project management software you use and i think they're really important make sure that you're very clear on what goes in a, a chat, like a Slack, a WhatsApp, or a Voxer, versus what goes in Asana as a task. So I think that's one key thing. The other one you mentioned is, you know, um, you know, cloud-based uh, documents. You know, we're a Google uh, through and through. So I think that's brilliant for a small business. Um, you know, as soon as I left Coke, I decided you know I'd never work with Microsoft again, even though Microsoft owned LinkedIn. But uh, I think that's really important. And, you know, with that, just have clear structures of where things go, you know, because search is brilliant. But I think, you know, naming files, like, you know, it's, it sounds a simple thing, but if you have a naming protocol, then it's really easy for people to find stuff because just think how often do you waste time trying to find things? And when you're naming things, you know, because, you know, I read lead teams of 200 people, et cetera, in the past, I always set it up like what happens how is all of these 200 people going to find it? Even if you're one, by the time you get a VA, et cetera, on board and build a team, if you've started that practice from the start, it's going to make it so much easier when you bring a team in. So I think those naming protocols is really important. As I said before, I think you should have a dedicated sales CRM. We use Copper, which integrates into Gmail beautifully. So um, Copper sales CRM. So I think you know it's important to have that. I think, um, you know, e-com, you know, may be different, but I think that. Um, and then I think the other key one is, you know, around a video these days. I think video is so powerful. Make sure you've got a video tool in your arsenal. So we use Dub, it's D-U-double-B. And, you know, that's fantastic for me on LinkedIn. I send video messages rather than text-based. So people know me, I'll bring up their profile. But, you know, the power of video to your team, to consumers. So, you know, there's lots of great platforms out there, but make sure you have a video platform that makes it really easy for you. Yeah, absolutely love that. And, and what people don't realize is they want to see the face and the team behind the product, right? I mean, they want to know and trust you. You know, you can say all you want on your sales copy page, but, you know, if you, if they get on and, and they go, oh, I don't know about that guy, they're not going to do business with you. I feel like, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the, you almost never see that on LinkedIn. I, I, I actually laugh as a marketer when I get these automated messages, which, you know, everybody gets on LinkedIn like crazy. <laughs> and my wife, who's a real estate agent, uh, uh, you know, I 
I told her, you got to start really investing on LinkedIn. And, you know, I've told lots of other people this because it's so underutilized. And so, I mean, the amount of traction you get on LinkedIn is what Facebook was in the beginning, right? It's the organic traffic and, and the views and things like that. And like you said, the, the connections that you make there, the, you know, it's a, it's a big level up from most, I would say it's probably equivalent to, you know, everyone's talking clubhouse. I would say LinkedIn has been clubhouse for years, you know, like, I mean, I've reached out to some really big names and they'll actually message me back and have a conversation with me. Um, you know, which is crazy that people aren't, you know, utilizing it for me, it was a blessing. You know, I've been banned from Facebook, I think two or three times now. And so during that time, you know, first time I was frustrated, upset, you know, second time I was like, you know what, I've been here, uh, you know, kind of like your whole thing with Microsoft. I have felt the same with Facebook. I'm back on Facebook now, but it literally gets, you know, it's like my, my secondary or third, you know, it's like on the back burner now. Um, and, but I'm so grateful looking back on it because it made me start digging into LinkedIn. And once I start digging, digging into LinkedIn and seeing how it worked, I was able to grow a fairly big audience there. Um, and I get so much more interaction and the people that I interact with are actually my customers, uh, you know, which is, which is crazy because I'm a B2B business. Um, so that, that's, I, I, that's a lot of, that's a great tip. And a lot of people don't know that you can actually send video over LinkedIn messages, which is awesome. You know, you could say, Hey, Paul, this is Andy. You know, I've got some new software that you might be interested in. Here's a quick demo. You know, if you're interested here, you know, here's the thing to, to book a call with me. You know, if you're not interested, no problem. If there's any way I can, you know, help you or connect you with other people on LinkedIn, I'm totally willing, you know, that's what people want. They want that, especially in these times where people are locked inside all day long, they want that more human, uh, you know, interaction and these, you know, spam messages, whatever it's, it's hilarious. They'll send the spam message with the link to their website and then like a Calendly link. And I, it's so funny because as, as soon as I open that message, I click the close, but yeah. you know, if somebody messages me and like, Hey, I'd love to connect. Like, what are you up to today? Like even something that simple, I'm like, okay, more, you know, that that's more of a human, human interaction. They might try to sell me after I accept the connection, but you know, to me, that's a much better tactic. And, you know, people really need to learn that marketing is going a different way now, right? It's it, like you said, uh, you know, Gary V pioneered it. And I think that that's where it is now is it is a permission based marketing, but the value has to be given up front for people to know and trust you. And then you can start to saying, Hey, by the way, I have this thing that's going to make your life better. You know, and yeah. that's, the, that's the other thing is, is making people know, like, it's easy to sell something when you know, it's going to make their life better. Right. So yeah. I think those are, are a few elements that people are missing. And I think there's some great points there. And, and, you know, for me, I think you hit the nail on the head, you know, permission, when you're outreaching, permission is critical. And there's one word I use on LinkedIn than any other. And, you know, when I'm reaching out to people and it's a simple word, it's open. Are you open to connecting? Are you open to having a call? Always ask permission by using the word open, right? It gives them the power of making the choice. And, you know, that alone will differentiate you from everyone else that is making an assumption. It's not permission. They're saying, I assume you're this. No, you've got to find out what someone is. And, and you know, video is, is, is so powerful in, in that way. And, um, you know, what I love is that, so with Dub, you can actually, you know, just link the video straight into the messenger. But what I'll often do is also if they've got their correct email address in the contacts, I'll have their profile up, but I'll send it an email. But the ultimate goal 
on, I think social is really there to build the audience, build the connection, right? The ultimate goal for me is you sell on your list, right? And I think so many people get that the wrong way around. They try to sell on LinkedIn, right? For me, what I want to do is build a relationship. 3% of people are ready to buy from me at any one time, right? So why would I treat that 97 like the three? So what I want to do is get people from LinkedIn, which you don't own. It's basically you, you know, to use your wife's analogy, Andy, you know, it's, it's building on someone else's land, move them across to your list, and then you can build a relationship and then sell to them on the list. And I think that's the, uh, so video and open gives you the permission to do that, to build the relationship and then get them on your list and sell on your list. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, the, the other thing, you know, is, is giving the value up front, you know, and not, you know, just sending them to a click funnels page to say, Hey, click here to buy on your first interaction. You know, the, the chances of that are, are very low and it's just going to piss people off. Really. Yeah. They're just, you know, not going to want to deal with you. So, um, yeah, uh, we talked a lot about, um, you know, systems and, and work flexibility. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I would love or something I'd love for you to do is, you know, go through a, a day in Paul's life in terms of, you know, getting up in the morning, interacting with your team, you know, cause that's one thing I think that a lot of people hear that, but they don't know how to actually put that into practice. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, I, I get up cause American, I'm in Australia, American time. I get up, you know, five 30 most mornings and uh, what I'll do first is, you know, my stretches. So I've got a routine of that. Then I come in and normally I've got an interview or, or a client, uh, meeting or a sales call early in the morning. But as soon as I get out of those, I uh, leave a, a Vox message to my to my team, a Voxer uh, message saying, you know, what my biggest win was for the day prior, what the key thing that I'm focusing on for today and what I need help on. And then my team, whenever they get onto their time zone in the morning, they do a same, the same thing. So I think that's a great way of, you know, yes, we mightn't talk physically during the day, but we've set that up. So uh, doing that, I think, is really important. I do the, my biggest tasks in the morning, and then I get to my tasks late. So I say to my team, if you want me to specifically do something that's urgent, box me, because the Voxer is my, you know, like SMS, I'll always answer that, but I may not get to my, um, to my tasks. I have someone that screens all of my emails, so I don't open my inbox at all. Uh, I'll go, what they'll do is either answer it for me or what they'll do is if there's something I've specifically got to do, they'll task me in Asana. So then I'll go back and just quickly on the middle of the day, I normally ride my bike, have a swim. Uh, the most important thing I do in my life is have a 30 minute nap every day. So it's normally seven minutes of meditation, 30 minutes sleep. So that sort of then recharges me. I go have a cold shower and then I work on the back half of my day. So that's a bit of a summary of uh, what I do. And then at the end of the day, I always have a daily reflection. Now, what were my key wins for the day? What are a couple of my key challenges? And most importantly, you know, grateful, you know, what was I grateful for that day? But also how did I create uh, a, a grateful gesture in someone else's life? in that day. And then uh, that's it. I love that, Paul. And one of the things that I've really, really been trying hard on it, and I find makes a huge difference in my life. So I encourage everyone to do that is 
the exact same thing is, uh, you know, just give gratitude to the world, you know, as bad as your day is, you know, like this morning, I, I like I said, I have three kids taking my kids to school this morning was a nightmare. Uh, but on the way to school, you know, about five minutes before we got to school, I told my kids, hey, today you get to choose before you step out of this car how your day is going to be. Is it going to be a good day? Is it going to be a bad day? You know, you get to choose that. And I really hope that you choose it's going to be a good day. And then I asked each of my kids, like, so, you know, one of my kids' names, Archie, Archie, how's your day going to be? Well, it's going to be all right. I said, all right, really? You just want it to be all right? Shouldn't it be a great day? And, you know, I'm really trying to coach them on that because when you start that day with a positive mindset, it really kind of, uh, you know, molds your, you know, if nobody's seen the secret or whatever, a lot of people think that's hokey, but, you know, there's a lot of truth to uh, manifesting, you know, all kinds of things, you know, when you speak it out loud, when you, uh, you know, think it, things like that. And it can also work against you, right? If you get up and you're like, I hate my life. I have so much to do today. You know, uh, you know, I don't have enough money. I hate my job. You know, then that's your, that's the, the theme of your whole day. Um, so that's something we've been, I, I've been really trying hard to do myself. Uh, the other thing is, you know, you also like nowadays there's so much media, right? We consume so much every day of information and, you know, I used to like every day, like, you know, marketing and, you know, all stuff like really business related. And then I realized, you know, that's just jumbling up my brain, you know, like, so a lot of things now is I'm listening to people who are just positive mindset, like, you know, once again, like Tony Robbins, you know, because I feel like if you get to that positive mindset, then all that other stuff comes so much more naturally. Um, and you really get clarity on what you need to do next. So um, I absolutely love uh, that routine, Paul. The other thing I've been getting back into, which makes a huge, huge difference is just moving your body, right? Working out, I've been going to the gym, uh, eating, you know, much, much more healthy fasting, all the things that, you know, you hear and you're like, plan on, I'll do that someday, you know, when this, when X, Y, or Z isn't here, I'll, you know, get to that. Uh, but you know, that makes a, a, a big difference, but everybody listening today, you know, if, if you want to start with one thing, I say, start with the positive mindset in the morning. You know, if you're like uh, me, unfortunately, Paul, I'm a little jealous of the, uh, you know, being able to meditate and stuff. I always laugh. I, I, I kind of laugh when people say that I'm like, you don't have three kids, do you? <laughs> well, meditation, it, though, uh, the thing that changed my life with meditation was like, it can be while you're active. Right. So when I'm riding my bike, I'm in a meditative oh, absolutely. state. Yeah. When I'm swimming, you know, I count the bubbles and I and you know, thoughts are always going to come in your head, right? That's we're meaning making machines. But if you just acknowledge the thought and then just going back to focusing on the bubbles in the pool, that's a form of meditation. So you don't always have to be still. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And and what I've been doing lately is exactly that, you know, I'll just it, at night, you know, I'm usually working after the kids go to bed. And, you know, I've been uh, lately just putting my laptop aside, sitting on the ground, you know, with my back against the couch and just kind of closing my eyes and, and you know, picturing, you know, you know, uh, positive things or, or, you know, goals or, you know, things like that, or just nothing at all, just clearing your mind, you know, so uh, those are, those are great points. All right. This is the other thing I love to ask Paul, because, uh, once again, I, I, you know, I used to listen to, to probably a, an audiobook every, you know, day or two. I used to commute for quite a while, uh, back when I was working the nine to five, which is quite a long time ago now, but, um, you know, any media, you know, podcasts, YouTube channels, uh, books, anything that you're really into right now that you feel like has made a big impact in your life. Yeah, look, I've got a core um, set of podcasts that I listen to every day. So uh, yes, I'm a podcaster, but I'm also a podcast junkie. 
And uh, I listen at two and a half to three times speed. And uh, I consume quite a lot of content, but some of my favorites. So there's a guy called James Shramko from Superfast Business. I'm uh, a regular listener of his, uh, Pat Flynn. I listen to his. There's a guy, Ari Mizell, who unfortunately is going to close his podcast soon, but I always listen to his. There's Growth Experts from Dennis. Uh, I listen to that. And uh, also uh, Marketing School by um, a past guest of yours, as you mentioned. Uh, so uh, that's great. And um, then, then I've got uh, on the weekends, then I listen to uh, things um, like, uh, I think it's called Intelligence Square, which is a, a great um, podcast where they have intellectual debates on, on you know, uh, on different topics. And uh, then I listen to a lot of American history. Uh, you know, grew up in Australia. Most of my clients now are in North America, particularly America. So I want to understand as much of your history as possible. So I spend a lot of time listening to uh, American history. And uh, I suppose what's interesting is you go back that uh, I know it's been very turbulent, but uh, I don't think it's been the only time that in American history that there's been a bit of turbulence. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we've, you know, my wife and I were talking about this the other night is, you know, for quite a few years now, I mean, we've just been, you know, we're just posh here, right? We're watching our Netflix We're, you know, if our DoorDash guy is late, we throw a fit, right? I mean, it's like putting it into perspective. I mean, you know, how, how many of us that are still alive, you know, ran into a, a spray of bullets from German soldiers, right? I mean, and that's, you know, it's crazy to me that, that, uh, yeah, we're spoiled. We're absolutely spoiled. And, you know, we, our kids are spoiled and we are trying really hard once again to, to make them aware of, you know, we, we, you need to be grateful for what you have in terms of, you know, humanity. Like, yes, there's lots of problems now, but the, the kind of problems that we have now pale in comparison to, you know, even, even 20 years ago, you know, the, the things that we have now, the way that we can get business, the way that we can earn money, the way that we can provide, you know, the, the safety, the security. I mean, you know, even though, like you said, it's, it's been a, a little tumultuous lately, um, you know, it, it, it's still, uh, you know, easy, uh, quote unquote, easy. Um, yeah. And, and you talked about media, I think just, you know, for me, I was always on a plane for work. So often I was away from my family all over the world you know, one of the fundamental reasons I left corporate, A, was my health, but the other was to take my kids around the world. So I traveled with them. We used to go away minimum one time a year. Sometimes, you know, we went to Europe for eight weeks, as an example, and showed them how other people live, you know, because we are in a bit of a bubble here as well. It's um, been a great place to live. I think Melbourne, uh, before Corona, was voted the most livable city in the world. So it is a great place. So taking them to countries like the Philippines, South Africa, you know, places where, you know, their 20-year-old kids, uh, and I interviewed someone yesterday, it said her goal was to go from a one-bedroom to a two-bedroom to ultimately, you know, owning the land that their house is on. Very different to what my children at, at uh, 19 and 16, uh, uh, you know, their goals in life. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, the, the dynamic is changing and... Um, you know, my hope is, uh, you know, that we come back to the middle, right? It's so, at least in America, you're saying, you know, right now it's so polarized, but when you really sit two people down in a room and ask them what's important, 
uh, you know, they'll probably agree on 80% of the issues, right? And unfortunately, um, my hope is that, you know, in, in a lot of other democracies, there's more than two parties, right? Here, there's two parties. And so when you have two opposing forces, you know, intrinsically, there's going to be, that's going to escalate, right? It's like putting two armies on each side of a border, right? I mean, it's always going to get worse before it gets better, unless you bring in a third, you know, party that's like, hey, wait a minute, guys, you have a really good idea with that. This is a really good idea from there. Let's put that together and let's make this work and let's compromise. And, you know, that's what we used to do here. But unfortunately, you know, people are digging their heels in rather than, you know, actually sitting down and listening to each other. So anyway, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but Paul, thank you so much for, for being on. I, I really enjoyed our time together. Um, let people know where they can find you. Yeah, so uh, the, the key site to go to is Paul Higgins Mentoring. Dot com. So that's where I've got my podcast, my book. And then there's also where my products are is Build, Live, Give. But if you go to paulhigginsmentoring.com, it uh, takes you to everywhere else. And uh, I'll make sure that my team send you guys the links that I've mentioned as well in the podcast where there's some resources that I hope gives you value. Awesome. Thank you again, Paul. Really appreciate it. All right, guys, if you didn't know, we do this every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. We do that for a reason. Um, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes for Amy and I to get here, you know, every day at that time undisturbed. But the reason we do it is because we really love for you guys to join us live uh, to interact with people like Paul, where you get to ask him questions. We get a lot of people on where if you tried to call them on the phone and ask them questions, they charge you, you know, an ungodly amount of money. So please join us live uh, in the Zoom call. We really love having you guys here. We have, uh, you know, some regulars. We really appreciate you guys that you guys are always in here. Thank you so much for that. Um, and uh, if you can't catch us live, as usual, we're on every major podcast platform. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe. We really appreciate that, guys. We continue to grow and, and uh, we, we love to get to as many people as possible to help them. Um, and uh, if you ever want to reach out uh, with a guest idea or request on something we should cover, please do that. Uh, Andy at sellerseo.com is my direct email. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. And we'll see you next time on the Seller Roundtable. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at SellerRoundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.